You speak light into darkness to hundreds of men. Mm. But God. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Hey, hey. We're hey. back, we're back, we're back. We are back in the saddle again. <laughs> Carl was giving me notes there. I don't know why I did <laughs> uh, I should have just done this. Oh, God. I did this like this. <laughs> Gosh, if we can make that a, uh, what's it called? NFT. If we can make uh, Chitty's commercial hands at NFT, someone that knows how to do that, please. Oh, uh, we'll, uh, that'll make a lot of money, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, speaking of that commercial, hey, we got the merch, we got the hat, we got Come the on. hoodies, we got the tea, all at s2l.net. Yes. S2L.net. Um, go and check those out. They help out a good cause. We've seen some alumni send some pictures in. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, and I know a lot of different states. So go check that out. That'd be great. Uh, if you missed last week, episode 25, we entered into a series, uh, kind of a get to know the host series. Yeah. We explained, hey, this isn't, we're not vain in this, and it's not really something that we're like wanting to do. Uh, but we were encouraged to do it. We think it'd be cool uh, as we really are in a, you know, hey, this podcast at 25, at six months, or however many months 25, 26 weeks is. Yeah, I mean, six, six, you know, going on six months of yeah. weekly putting this out, we feel like the, the podcast is established. We're going to move forward with it. We're going to put some more effort into it, change some things up pretty soon. Um, maybe even, I mean, so we're all in, we're invested now. The trial period of it is over. Uh, and so it's like, Hey, let's meet the host. And so last week we just did some rapid fire questions. That was pretty interesting. We did. Uh, and then argued after the podcast about a squirrel's brain, uh, for a few minutes. And that was fun. Dude, it was a literal argument. Like yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. just like, Oh man, it's funny. Squirrel. Like, no, we were legitimately yeah. arguing yeah. over which one you should choose. Yeah. Well, Yeah. Which is not really a choice, but oh, you, you you think it is. Um, but anyways, but today and then next week we're gonna we're gonna do uh, a testimony for me. But today uh, it's gonna be Ryan Chittister, aka Chitty, aka Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, aka Squirrel Brain. Oh gosh, <laughs> I was actually calling some of our other staff members at the lodge that last week so so today we're going to talk about we're going to ask i'm just going to ask you man share your testimony i'm going to kind of engage and ask some questions at certain points but um man let them know and this i don't we don't have pressure in these next two episodes that it needs to be 25 or 30 minutes it could be 10 or it could be 40 you know we're not putting time restraints on it just uh yeah share your testimony and ryan and i both have shared our testimony before so um yeah man let's rock it out let's yeah give the people um, an inside of, of man, the, the carnage and the salvation and just the life you have now. Yeah. So I usually like having bullet points or notes for these, but, uh, man, I'm just going to speak from the heart yeah. and share my story. So yeah, uh, my name is Ryan Chittister. I am 32 years old. Um, born and raised in Houston, Texas. I have the most amazing mother, the most amazing father. I have an older brother named Brandon. He's 34. And I have a younger brother named Connor, and he is 25, I believe. So I grew up, man, 
and an amazing family, amazing support system. Uh, we were just really tight knit, did everything together. Uh, my father, you know, taught me morals, values, what it was to be a man, to be a protector, to be a provider, to be responsible, to have work ethic, to have drive, to have all these things. And my mother was just an amazing nurturer. Um, mm. She just showed me what true love was and supported me through every endeavor that I ever um, went through or, or embarked on and so yeah growing up man my childhood was amazing i have nothing but like the most fond loving amazing memories you know yeah um, there's nothing traumatic that happened in my life as a child um, that caused me to do xyz you know i had an amazing upbringing amazing family amazing group of support and friends and so i would say it'll start a while i like telling this so the first thing i ever wanted to be my mom said was a pumpkin mm. You know, you realize fairly quickly you can't be a pumpkin. Maybe I've had a squirrel brain this whole time, but that's a yeah. story for another day. Um, so, yeah. Making then, sense now. Why? Yeah. Go there ahead. you go. So then the next thing I wanted to be was an ice cream truck driver because mm. I always wanted to just eat the ice cream. Right. I'd have my own truck full yeah. of ice cream that I could eat for free is what I was thinking as a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. But then I remember, man, seriously, shortly after that, I had like a deep desire to want to help people. Mm. And. I didn't know what that looked like or how I would ever flesh that out, man. But I just knew like, man, I was created to help people. And that's what like my deepest desire and passion has always been was just to help. I didn't know what that was going to look like, like I said, but I, I knew I wanted to help people. So growing up, man, uh, my best friend, his name was Matt. And I met him, I don't know, maybe around eight to 10 years old, something like that. And our parents became best friends. Um, his parents were, were devout Christians. So mind you, at this point in time, I hadn't really ever gone to church. I didn't really know God, anything like that. My granny ran a Christian daycare. Um, and I went to that when I was, I don't know, whatever age you are before kindergarten. I know my mom watched me my first few years, but I would go there sometimes during the day and stuff. So Four, four-ish. Yeah, something like that. So I went to her daycare for, I want to say at least a year or two, something like that. But um, apart from that, and I don't remember those years of my life, I never really knew God. God was never really spoken about. Um, didn't really go to church, but we, we met my best friend. Um, and our parents got really close, and they were devout Christians. Mm. And um, I remember after baseball practice one day, we used to practice by the fields um, at the church, their, their home church. This high school or middle school? No, this is probably I was 10 years old. Oh, okay. So um, our dads used to coach, my dad and Matt's dad. Um, used to coach our baseball teams, select ball every year growing up till we got um, into high school pretty much. And um, I remember after practice one day, we were playing tag. It was me, my older brother, and Matt. And I was on the far side of the street, and there was cars parked on both sides of the road. And I remember um, my brother was chasing Matt, and he ran out into the road in front of a truck, and he got hit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and he flew several feet in the air, and I just remember, you know, um, his mom screaming, and then I remember the guy who got out of his truck, and he was just screaming, like, cuss words, because he thought he killed him, you mm. know, as we all did. Um, so he ends up going to the hospital, and through the grace of God, doesn't have any broken bones, only a couple lacerations on his head. And I've never actually had this conversation with my parents. This is just me recollecting through these years. But I think from my perspective and point of point of view, that might have sparked something within my, my parents, you mm. know, about their faith. 
And so we would go to church or I would go to church um, on occasion. I remember after that, you know, whether it be an Easter service, whether it be a Christmas service, um, certain things like that. Mind you, I never really dove in. Um, My parents got baptized. And I want to say this was after that event, if I'm recalling correctly, after Matt getting hit by the truck and me and my older brother ended up getting baptized with them. This Mm -hmm. was maybe when I was around the same age, 10, 11, 12, something like that. Granted, I didn't know what confession I was making, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just what a lot of kids do when yeah. your parents um, ask you to get baptized with them, you know. And so I never had that, like, foundation of faith in Christ, nor did I have the knowledge of who Christ was or his love or his grace or his mercy or forgiveness or all the things that that encompasses. So um, I get in, we'll, we'll go to my high school years, you know. I, I get into high school, and I didn't realize this until coming to S2L, but I realized once I got here that my identity during these years of my life were in sports and women. Those were my identity. Yeah. You know, those were the things that I found joy, that I found assurance, that I found um, security. Um, those were who I was, how I excelled in sports and how, you know, my relationships were going. If and you were good that, too, right? Good sports I was, player, good baseball player. Yeah, it was good. I was, I was blessed with, with abilities to excel in sports, um, yeah. certainly. So those were what I did. Um, I also started drinking and smoking weed, you know, um, seemed innocent, seemed harmless at the time. Everybody's doing it. Exactly. And so I started engaging in those things. Now, I wouldn't say I was addicted at that point, but at the same time, it's like I did it all the time. It just whenever I think or sometimes we think of addiction, it's like it's not addiction until it's taken your life and your family and your job and you've been to jail. And but I guess by definition, yeah, I would have been addicted to those things because I did them frequently, at least smoke weed. I didn't drink, but on occasion at parties and stuff like that. And so. Man, it seemed innocent, but I still had my identity at the time, which was sports. So yeah. that took precedence over everything. You know what I'm saying? The other things can be put to the wayside and I would have been fine, but it was sports. So um, I was going to play college baseball somewhere, maybe at a JUCO or something like that. Um, but I decided to go to Texas State University with my older brother. who's He's two years older and he went there. Um, and so I was like, man, I'll know some people, get to have the college experience. I already have a bunch of buddies who are out there. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, forego trying to play college ball and go to Texas State. So I end up moving there. This is 2009. I graduated high school in 2008, so this would have been in 2009. And I move up to San Marcos and enroll in school there. I quickly, things quickly came to a head because I realized, okay, now I don't have sports. Mm. You know, I never thought anything past that. What was I going to do? Now, mind you, I didn't really have the identity perspective on life because I didn't know Christ yet. But I realize now that my identity was solely in sports. And so that was taken from me. Part of you was gone. It was. It was. You couldn't identify what it was, but there was an emptiness that you hadn't felt. And now is there. Perfectly articulated. Yes. There was an empty void that like, okay, now what? I never thought about what I was going to graduate college with or what degree I wanted or what something that intrigued me because I'm the type of person I, I have to be interested in something to like engage fully and give everything that I'm, that I'm, that I have in me to do it or to accomplish it. And so, yeah, that part of me, that void was there. And so how would I feel, fill that void apart from sports, you know? Okay. Then it was women. Mm -hmm. And then also, like I said, it would be weed or or alcohol. So I would get in various relationships, mind you, um, or I would 
start smoking and start drinking and things just progressively got worse. And this is a very quick progressively you know, got worse, you know, away from home for the first time. You're your own person. You make the rules. There's no everything, everything that that life encompasses the freedom, just the ability to go to class, not go to class. Same, There's same. no more someone taking attendance, just everything, you know, yeah, I had yeah, yeah. the world at my, yeah, no one's calling your family when you're not. Yeah, yeah exactly. So same. just everything that encompasses. And I wasn't, I wasn't <clears throat> mature enough to handle everything that that entailed because of, you know, my addiction, you know, now granted it wasn't full fledged at this point, but it was definitely still present. Yeah. So yeah, I got involved in the wrong crowd there, you know, start, start selling, you know, drugs and stuff like that. And, um, I ended up failing out the first year. Well, I guess you could say I just quit, but yeah, I, I felt out essentially, you know, didn't go to class, didn't do anything. And so I ended up moving back home, um, after that. And I went to a junior college. I get home still having these identity issues. How does Ryan feel him? I meet a woman, um, her and her mom and her sister are going to be moving to Austin, Texas in the next six months. So what does Ryan do? Ryan moves to Austin, Texas, right? I get a year lease with this woman. Um, we move in together and she leaves within, I'd say the first month or two goodness so now i'm just destroyed right fruitful now i'm just i'm distraught dude uh, i remember calling my mom every night crying and talking about how i didn't want to live and life sucks and Did, yada yada, you, yada are you open to talking about why it ended in, in just two months or is that yeah for day, i mean for uh, uh, no no that's right now absolutely um i like that yeah dude insecurities jealousy smothering suffocating mm. pride anger I mean, just everything. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. Apart from Christ, I'm lost. Whew. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to move with the ways of the world. And whether it be to be popular, to have some, you know, assurance from other people or what's just all the things that that entails, not knowing who you are. You're just flowing with the ebbs and flows of and, whether you want to call it culture or whatever it may be. And she was on the throne of your heart. She was in Absolutely. a position of fulfillment of who you are as a, as a, as a being yep. and she should have never been there. So of course it's going to end badly. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. that causes the, you know, let me smother this. Let me suffocate. Yeah. Let me, I'm super yeah. jealous. I'm, you know, worried she's going to leave me or cheat me, cheat on me or all these just different things because I didn't know who I was. I wasn't able to steward my own life, let alone try to steward another's life, you know? And so, yeah, so mm. she leaves and I just remember feeling distraught and, um, I think this is when I ended up getting an apartment. So I had a lease break on that apartment and I got a, another apartment um, with a buddy of mine or maybe that story's reversed. But anyways, um, so, yeah, I ended up staying there for a year in Austin, essentially, and moved back home to um, my parents' house. Mind you, this whole time, right, I don't want to go into the depths of it, but I'll, I'll touch some some areas, but my Addiction is progressively getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So like I said, it started off with weed and alcohol, right? Well, when you're using those things to cope, right? And those are part of who I thought I was or who, that it's just, it was a part of me, man. Yeah. It was. And I didn't see it through the lens that I do now. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. my life. 
I can do with it what I want to do. Yeah. Now it hadn't destroyed everything at this point. So it was only affecting me yeah. or so I was saying, and yeah, I'm going to do time bomb, but yeah. right. I'm going to do what I want to do with my life because yeah. it's my life. So as all this is progressively getting worse, um, I end up moving back home and I get a job, um, at a company, um, just for personal matters. I'm not going to say the company or sure. anything like that. But anyways, uh, so I work there. I, I start out driving, you know, um, and I end up working my way up to, to being a warehouse manager. And he was working for Brown Squirrel Furniture. Brown Squirrel Furniture, yeah. <laughs> and so... A, I don't um, even know if that's a national thing, but it was in East it, it could be. Growing, I know, I mean, there really was a brown squirrel in East Tennessee growing up. <laughs> and I was doing a callback with the squirrel brain. Anyway, sorry, there we go. <laughs> so I ended up getting a job with this company, started driving for them, ended up uh, being warehouse manager for them. And I went out to eat. This is, I would say I was 25 or so at this time. Mind you, I hadn't done many hard drugs at this point. I had taken pain pills, weed and alcohol up to 25 was like my main thing, Yeah, you know? Um, and so I ended up going out with one of the inside sales guys and he introduces me to cocaine. Now I'd seen these things at parties and all, all that, but I'd never done it at this point because I knew my tendencies. I'm already addicted to pain pills. I'm already addicted to smoking and drinking. Like I don't need yeah. anything else. Well, I ended up trying it and it was off to the races after that. Mm. And there was, um, you know, several years of just darkness and destruction. And I didn't want to live for the longest time, man. I didn't know Christ at the time either. So mind you, from probably about, I don't know, in my early 20s to 27 when I came here, I, I really had no desire to live. Yeah. I didn't have a desire to live at all. In fact, I used to, the only time I used to pray was for God to kill me, mm. right? If if he was real. I want yeah. to just... Let's let's open in that because I mean I've heard you I mean and, and when you say that that's powerful and I remember when we whenever we talk about prayer or learning to pray or anything with prayer that's something that you bring up yeah. right and so let's dive into that and I think I'll, I'll offer what I believe and then you you know move on and then you know you, you can elaborate but it, it sounds as though if it if similar to the way my mind was and maybe many people's but. It was your value, your worth, your identity were in things that were fleeting, literally, or mm. um, like a person or a feeling. You were, your identity and your worth, you were in a feeling or you were numbing that feeling with something that was fleeting as well. And so you're smart enough and God's given you a brain enough to know that big picture, this is meaningless. Yeah. Like all of that, there's no reason for life yeah. because I know that this is not living. I'm not living. I'm not fulfilled. I'm placing things. My And so my worth, my self-worth, my value is worth less Yeah, because I have no foundation on anything. And so that's when I hear you say that, that's where I my mind goes to relate because I've been there. I've felt that. Um, but when you say that, I want you to elaborate and it could just be like, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, but elaborate when you say only time I prayed, cause I don't know how to pray. I wasn't a believer, but I believed in God, right? I wasn't a Christian though. I believed that there was a God and I would just pray God take my life. Elaborate on that. Not like, yeah, well, yeah. I believe, I believe in a God because of creation, right? Right. I didn't know Romans, what yeah. sort of involvement. Yeah, but I didn't know Romans either. So I One didn't of know our Romans tells us that. Right. I didn't know what sort of involvement, if any, at that time in my life. It seems like there's zero involvement. Yeah. You know? So what what I really mean by that is the hopelessness associated with addiction. Yeah. It's like there is no way out. 
within yeah. myself. And so I know that like I'm smart enough to know what I'm doing, what I've engaged in for many years. There's no way out of this for Ryan. Like yeah. I, I, there's no hope within that. The lying, the, the being deceitful, the stealing, the emotional abuse, the everything that I was doing, right? There seemed to be no end to that within myself. Like I knew there wasn't. Yeah. See if this statement makes sense or relates. I, I didn't want to take my own life, but I was perfectly okay with not waking up the next day. Correct. Okay. A hundred percent, you yeah. know? And so that's kind of where I was going at. And, and even in my mind to go a step further, overdosing, you know, yeah. this is going to happen at some point. Let's just hope it happens. My mom can mourn me. My dad can mourn me. But at least they'll have my other family to, you know, encourage them, love them and, and move forward because I have to do what I'm, I'm too far in. Yeah, I'm too far gone. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, those used to be the prayers I, I threw up, man. And, and, and I. I'm reminded of that, man. Sometimes even when I pray like God, like, thank you for even allowing me to pray. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't plan for this, but yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like I'm just even thinking in this moment, like sitting here with you, dude, like I shouldn't be here. bro. And it's crazy. I'm super grateful for you grateful for you man i think i think that prayer to god that he answered he answered but it wasn't the way you were praying it right yeah and so man although you did although you did accelerate that and i remember i mean even in the documentary the powerful story is that the same friends by the way am i connecting a dot the mom in the backyard no that's a different friend yeah so i'll get to that um yeah, dude, I'm just I'm I'm grateful for for what he's done in my life now, but yeah, so I used to just pray those prayers, man, and I was lost. I was lost and there was no way out. So I end up getting introduced to to cocaine and it's just, man, it's off to the races from there, man. It's it's yeah. meth, it's heroin, it's just everything else that encompasses that lifestyle for many years. I had an instance, I'll I'll talk about a couple instances. We're good on time. Yeah. There's um, no time in this episode. Yeah, so there was one instance, you know, um, I actually was, um, oh man, where am I going to go with that? Well, I mean, I think when I'm hearing it and I'm hearing from the cocaine, you introduce the prayers of God, just take me to now all of a sudden it's heroin and it's every drug. It's like, it's progressing that you're even more and more and more and more aware that my life is not what I want. It's killing me. And all I know to do is to numb it because I have no way out. Yeah. Of this addic- There's no hope here. There's no. And so the only thing I could do is to numb it. And in order to numb it, the more you're in addiction, man, the more and more and different yeah. things you have to do to where at some point. So then that's exactly true. And so then there was like two specific things that happened that like really, I guess you could say, opened my eyes or woke me up, but I was driving home one day to my parents' house. Um, this is in my later twenties and I ended up, I guess, nodding out at the wheel. I don't remember what I was on, but I ended up nodding out and there was uh, a dad and her daughter getting in the, the car. They were parked on the side of the street. I'm like, mind you, two or three streets down from my parents' house. I guess I nodded out. And as they were trying to get in, I guess the father ended up grabbing the daughter and they were able to jump on the other side of the car. Cause mm-hmm. I smashed straight into him. And I remember waking up, 
and I like pinballed off. So I just was idling down the, the street at this point and looking in my rear view mirror and he's like chasing my car. And so I pull over into this semi cul-de-sac and I either had drugs on me and I put them under my seat. And mind you, he's standing right there at this point once I get out because I didn't go very far after I hit him. Or I had drugs under my seat and put them in my waistband. Anyways, I end up calling my mom, telling her, hey, I'm right down the street. Will you please come here real quick? Um, this guy's going to call the cops. You know, I, I was looking at my radio whenever I looked up. I hit this car. So cops end up coming. He doesn't, the, the guy saw me like stash the drugs and he didn't say anything about it. Um, I obviously told the cop that I just was switching the state radio station and looked down. And so I didn't go to jail. I didn't get a ticket, anything like that, man. Um, but that was but a I, moment in your I'll, life that you're like, Oh wow. I'll never forget, dude. I was leaning up against the door, the driver's side door in my car and my mom pulls up dude. And like, Man, if you ever seen like a look of like just hopelessness and just devastation and just destruction and what I had done to her for so many years, mm. like it was all right there in front of me. And I just remember thinking in my head, like, God, is this ever going to stop? Because mm. I'm, I'm not, mind you, I'm giving a, a very brief, brief yeah. overview of like how truly dark and lost I was. And I seen that on her face and like it did something to me. I still think about that day and, you know, just even her telling me flat out, you're going to kill me. Yeah. Like, and, and that was the point that probably are those stories are the point of saying, God, take me because it was obviously it sucked for you, mm -hmm. but you realize I'm, I'm causing pain and destruction in my family's lives and people yeah. I love's lives. And that, that's one of those moments that hits you like that, that it's like, that sucked, and man, even if I would have gone to jail, that would have sucked. But to see my mom's face and to know what I'm doing to her is worse. Yeah, or something. You know, it is. Those are some of the toughest things. It's like I'll deal with my sheesh as it comes, so to speak, and and yet you don't know how to stop it. Right. There's no hope in your mind. There's no hope. There's no hope. Right. But I think what you're yeah what you're saying is is how I feel as well. Like hurting those who love me and the the ones most important to me around me is is worse off than me mm. experiencing the pain of what I've caused. Right. Yeah. I can deal with that, but it's it's what I'm doing to everybody else and there was another situation where, you know, I hadn't I had a, a friend of mine who I played like T-ball five pitch with, but um, I hadn't seen him in many years and he hit me up on Facebook one day and um, he he asked if I wanted to hang out. And so I knew the crowd he was running with. He knew the crowd I was running with. I knew what that entailed. You know, yeah. do you want to get high? And so I go over to his house and mind you, I didn't know this at the time, but like his mother was like a just spiritual warrior, man, mm -hmm. just a prayer warrior, um, was a part of the church, served at the church, just all those things, man. And, um, I remember we put two lawn chairs up in his backyard and we ended up doing some heroin. And this was 2017. Um, I remember doing it. And the last thing I remember is like looking up. Now, I'm not saying I saw the heavens or anything like that, but like the clouds were just a vivid white and like the sky was just the brightest of blues. And then I went out and I don't remember anything from that point. So I wake up in the hospital and I'm freaking out because I didn't know what happened you know i see ivs in my arms and all this stuff and so i just pull them out and tell the doctor i'm signing myself out i was 27 at this point so 
You know, I told them first thing I said, don't tell my family, don't tell my parents. I don't give y'all consent for any of that. And the doctor's telling me, meanwhile, you're lucky to be alive. You need to stay here for another couple of days or whatever the case may be. But I just left and I started, I really, really, really started to ponder like the meaning of life. Mm. Like how was I just dead? Right. And like, yeah, so you had died from an overdose and was resuscitated. Yeah. That's what took place from the time that you went out to where you woke up. Right. Yeah. So it messes with you, man, if that's ever happened to you. And I know there's thousands and thousands of people who've who've had an overdose. You know, it's like it messes with your head and you start thinking like, man, why am I here? Especially if you don't know God. It's like what there's got to be like something good at some point in time that comes from this. There's no way I just live to die and destroy everything that I actually cared about in life. Like there's no way. And so. I just remember having those thoughts. Well, my mom messages me within the week. I don't know the exact day. Within that week of me getting out of the hospital, mind you, she doesn't know. She sends me a text message with a link to S2L Recovery. Hmm. And she had been sending me what I call essays for years. You know, Ryan, you need to start paying your bills. Ryan, you need to get your text life together. Ryan, right. Really long time. Ryan, you need to... And, and everything she's saying is 100% valid and true, but I just hated who I was. The last thing I wanted to do was read about it. Right. You know, um, but I opened this one and I saw the link and I clicked on it and I saw it said Christ centered recovery. And I remember thinking in that moment, this was late at night, man, if anything's going to work, it's got to be this Christ thing. It's got to be this Jesus thing. So I went to my parents' house, um, and they got me on a plane that next day, and I ended up coming to S2L. And first church service, man, this was Father's Day 2017 at uh, Pleasant View Baptist Church, Brother Jeff. Father's Day. Heard the Word of God preach, man, and I was just overcome with the presence of the Lord, dude. And in that moment, man, it's like... It's a way out, bro. There's a way out. Mm, there's hope. There's hope. There was a way out. And like, mm. for those who've had like an encounter like that, man, mm. you can't describe it because I was so convinced that this is just what it is for so many days, so many hours, so many weeks, so many months, so many years that, man, to know that there's actually a way out, dude, and that I am loved mm. and like, but God being rich in mercy. Yeah, you can't describe that. And so that's when that's the moment that we describe as a staff of with the lights coming on in the eyes. When all of a sudden there's a way out. When all of a sudden hopelessness becomes hope filled. And that love begins to mean something different than just for God so loved the world. And then you just regurgitate it and you feel it. It's personal. It was me. It's you. I guess. For God I know so loved you. Me. I see you, Ryan Chedister, yeah. for all that you are. And yet, even while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you, and mm. it just hits you in a way. And it's like, so it's even now, it's yeah. it's overwhelming to think about, man. Yeah. It is, man. So that moment happened for me. And I knew, I knew from that point forward, freedom was possible. Ooh. I knew, and I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was known. Mm. I knew that I was heard. I knew that he was with me. I knew that he was in me. I knew all these things. I knew those in the depths of my soul, in the depths of my being. I knew those things for certain. He had given me assurance of those things. 
So let's, now, let's fast forward all from that point. Yeah. Let's fast forward all the, I mean, there's trials and tribulations and things that took it, but, but I want to more focus on from that moment. What does life look like? Yeah. Right. Like, obviously he's been open about on the podcast, man, it took me a couple of tries, but it, it was different because even then when I met, when I've messed up, I had conviction and I knew that it wasn't hopeless and yeah. I had, I could just turn and I needed to repent. You've gone. And so he's open. We're not hiding that, but talk about from that moment, yeah. from father's day from there's a way out to just the sanctification in your life. And like now how your DNA, I've heard you talk about your, just let's talk about like tell me about that. Okay. Tell me about that. Uh, I'm gonna share one more story. Yeah, please. And please. I'm gonna end with that. Yeah, please. But um, I have this coloring book in front of me, and it's man, it's crazy. Like it's not gonna make any sense to y'all, but if you knew where I was and what I had been through in this season when I started doing it, you you understand why it's so meaningful. But I used to lie to my my uh, parents about um going to work some days, you know, or having yeah. jobs. Cause I would, I tried everything to stop doing drugs, quitting jobs. So I wouldn't have money, just all types of crazy stuff. So I was going to work a lot of times, you know, and uh, I would need somewhere to just lay my head at rest because you can only drive around for so long with no money, no Same. gas, nowhere to go, nothing like that. So I used to go to Barnes and Noble cause I, I realized if you had a book or whatever, you could fall asleep and no one would really bother you. And so, um, man, I picked this up one day. And it's Bible verses, right? That it's very scripture. Book. This 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 book oh, wow. during this season. I didn't know God, dude. Hmm. I didn't know God. I didn't know him, dude. And it wasn't like, oh, that's Bible verses. I'm gonna pick that out, color these because this is gonna help me. Nothing like that. It was just simply a coloring book, because I used to color and doodle and write music back in the day when I'd be tweaked out or whatever it was. Hmm. And I picked this up, man, and I would color verses in this, not even knowing God, dude. Hmm. And I was crushed. So I don't remember exactly when my mom sent it up. It might have been after the first time that I got out of the program. They sent all my stuff here because I moved to Murfreesboro. Or if she sent it at a later day. But the first time I got it, I opened it up. And I, there's three different pictures that I colored in full that I'm going to have Carl pop yeah. up as I read them. Um, and the verses just broke me, man. So I'm going to read the three verses that I've colored in full. And Carl will show you all the pictures. But the first verse was... Um, Psalm 37, four, and it says, take the delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And man, I'm, I'm reading these, mind you, and I'm remembering I'm in the moment of like doing this and just seeing God's sovereignty and hand over my life. dude. Like it's crazy. Mm. Like if you knew the season I was in, dude, mm. it was so dark and hopeless during the season, dude. Yeah. As I'm coloring, it's so dark. Yeah. Like, so dark. So this very page was colored at Barnes & Noble's. Was that Detoxing, my... withdrawing. All that. Using drugs. Trying to hustle up the next fix. Everything. Wow. All that. Oh, my gosh. And this next verse is 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. It says, The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And I'm breaking when I read these, man, because, like... It was crazy. I just. Mm. And then there's one more. And this is second Kings twenty two nineteen. It says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord. Mm. I also have heard you declares the Lord. And just how 
fitting this is like you see how i just wrote like this one I'm like bro if you knew the season i was in and just how intricate in which the lord was like pursuing me man like pursuing me even after everything i was doing in the life i was living that man he was in pursuit of me mm. i was that one sheep that was astray that he would leave the 99 for just as any of our listeners or viewers who have ever you know, experience being lost as well. And it's, man, this is something special to me, dude. Like, mm. it's so special to me. So I wanted to share that. But, yeah, to to get back to, you know, what my life looks like now. Well, let's stay there for just a second. These are, I mean, I just want to explain the way I'm feeling right now. Um, I don't know if it's the same as the viewer. I think you and I have a. Um, a history and I was honored to be able to walk with you during these times. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's, there's tears happening as he's reading these and I'm crying and he's crying, but there is a joy that's bubbling up in me as I'm even seeing, as I've trying to process that, right. That you drew on that in 2017, 18, whatever it was. And no knowledge of who God was besides you believed in a being that created all things. And you're in this place to pass time because of a lie that you had to be somewhere because your parents think you're at work. So your car has to be somewhere and you have to pass time. And so you're in this place. You're probably on your phone or whatever, trying to score, trying to fight off these withdrawals, probably having restless leg, probably thinking no hope. And all of a sudden you ha you got to rent a book because you're going to get kicked out or you got to buy a book because you're going to get kicked out. If you don't, you can't just sit there and not do be reading. And so you're in there doodling with all of this devastation, pain, self-worth gone. And I know I'm entering that pain now of just like, I've done that. Wasn't at a Barnes and Nobles, but I've had to go hide because I'm supposed to be at work. I had to go and hide while I'm plotting. And you know, the drug dealers never time on, on mm -hmm. punctual. And so it could be, 11 but it'd be three and it's just your whole life revolves around this you are a puppet on a string we then there's no hope to think the joy of seeing that right now mm. and knowing that if god says it so be it and to know like you said his sovereign hand on you man that is i never knew this this is hitting me i didn't know about this book i didn't know about this coloring thing right mm -hmm. and i mean it's like although it's emotional and I'm with you engaging in the emotions, there's nothing but joy as I'm seeing that dude to like, to be sharing this desk with you now to be the inspiration that you are now that I know of for so many over the last few years and me to seeing what you're doing. Like that just gives God glory to me. And it's like, you kidding me right now, dude. It's special, man. Cause even apart from doing those things, you know, in the times that I would say I was at work, that, that's that's all I would do at night when it was just me is I would write. My words held no weight, and rightfully so. And you feel so alone and misunderstood that, like, I would only really desire to talk to myself and write down and articulate my thoughts on paper and just color and, and, and do those things. So, man, this, this, is, this is special to me. But, yeah, man, life now, it's like tears of joy, dude, right yeah, now. It really and is. It just it hits me because it's so easy to take for granted what God's done in my life. Yeah. Like it's so easy. It's so easy to take for granted. And I'm just reminded of really like the fact that I'm sitting here, dude, and I, we get to 
share our hearts and do a podcast together for even if it's one person, dude, yeah. that it helps. That's all it's for. I was that one person. <laughs> I was that one person, man. That's why we're sitting right here because that one person, dude, that's it. For that one person who may hear something, man, that they may cling to a word, mm. a verse, an idea, something that they're like, man, it does something. God uses that just yeah. as he used this for me. Yeah. Just as he uses like there, that one there thing. There is hope. There is. There is a way out. There is. You are loved. Yeah. No, and, and what you've done is fully seen by God. And yet while you were doing it mm. in history's past, Jesus knew that mm. and willingly went to the cross. Mm. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So, yeah, man, my life now. Married, two kids. You you have a. Well, <laughs> oh, wait, well, wait, 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 wait. That's future. That's, single. That's live future, at a ministry that's, house that's, with that's, several other men. That's future casting. That's future casting. He is single, which we've talked about on a few episodes. We have. Um, but, about to graduate college. Yeah, about to graduate college in May with a ministry uh, leadership degree, man. Um, I'm a teacher here. Um, I'm a recovery coach. I've had the opportunity to do several different, whether it's, you know, news interviews, whether it's speaking at a church, whether it's being on the documentary, whether it's Preaching teaching catapult. one of our catapult, doing one of our principles from the, uh, right now media yep. stuff, yep, yep, like yep. the thousands and it's not, it has nothing to do with me is why I say those things yeah. like nothing, man. Like who I was is who I described to you before yeah. I knew God. Like that's what Ryan would do. Yeah. That's, that's Ryan's natural desires is to, to be my own God and behave in that manner. And it's only what Christ has done in me that gets me to where I'm at. Yeah. Um, and that has placed me in this position, but even the influence that it's had on my, um, immediate family, my brother, my dad, my mom, like, man, it's so beautiful to see the ways in which the Lord has, has, has worked and is working in their lives as well. And just the impact, you know, God turned my life of being a burden to being a blessing and just how I can offer insight and, and wisdom and shed, shed light to certain things and counsel and everything like that, man. To it's hundreds of men. Yeah. Personally, hundreds of men. The right now media stuff. This we don't know the numbers, but I would say the right now media, just based on what I've been sent, it's a lot. But hundreds of men you've personally, because your heart was responsive mm. and you humbled yourself not? before mm. the Lord. I've also heard you, declares the Lord. And so the prayer, mm. God, kill me. God, take my life. There's no hope, God. I don't know you, but I know that you're there. Just take my life. My parents, they have their other, my other two brothers. And they'll mourn me for a bit, but I'll, they'll be okay, okay, and they'll get over it. God, take my life to what God says. I heard your prayer. Now you've been put to death in Christ. Mm. You're spiritually alive, and you speak life into death. You speak light into darkness to hundreds of men. Mm. But God, being rich in mercy, kidding me right now, mm. dude? I mean, just these three verses, even when you pop them up, man, it's incredible. But... Yeah, I want to finish with this verse, man. It's the first verse that I've ever memorized and put to memory. Um, and I, I really want y'all to, to meditate on these things. But it's 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, And it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he has provided the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 
God is with you. He is for you in every trial and every season and every adversity you encounter. God is with you. Devote yourselves to the things of God. Seek him. Pray to him. Cry out to him. He is with you. He is in you and he loves you. And this is something that, man, is very near and dear to my heart. So so really take take heart in that verse. Let's meet the host, a little glimpse of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Guys, that's life after addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.